The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. When He sat down, His disciples came to Him. And He opened His mouth and He taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. How would you have answered the question, what's a saint? It's curious, when you ask that question to people who haven't prepared for it, the variety of answers you would get back. Um, a really simple question. Pretty deep response and the possibilities of it. So on this day, all saints, as a church, primarily, I would say on today, we have a lot of different possibilities for emphasis, but we're going to ask you to think of about three today. The first one is that on All Saints Day that we're going to celebrate. On All Saints Day, number two, the thing that we're going to do is we're going to remember this part. There's some struggle involved with All Saints. And number three, we're going to remember that there is a Heavenly Father wanting now and for all of eternity to embrace us. So celebration, struggle, and a heavenly embrace. Three things to try to hold on to as we go through this All Saints Day. First, one thing about the celebration part. We celebrate Jesus Christ, Son of God, who is Lord and King and who has conquered every enemy known to us, sin, death, and the devil. We celebrate that. That is something that we will absolutely remember and cherish on this day. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, who has conquered sin, death, and devil, and He calls us His very own. He loves us enough that He would die for us to bring us home. That is a treasure for us on All Saints Day. The other part, though, that we also remember is that there's the struggle. On this day, we will not avoid it. We will not hide from it. We will not deny it or pretend it does not exist. We will not stay so distracted with all the business of the world that we won't remember that it's there and it's very real. On All Saints Day, we remember the struggle. And that the struggle is true and it happens with, with everybody we know. It's not specific to age. The young ones can have it. The old ones can have it. Everybody in the middle can have it. And then every one of us can have times where we mourn the loss and separation from things in this world, particularly our loved ones. It's very real, and we're, we're just going to confess it. We're going to present to God our loneliness and our doubt and all those things that can creep around us and hinder our faith. We will admit to long hours of contemplating life and death and the vanities of this world. And what does it all mean that we can just honestly be honest that that happens? All the could-haves and should-haves. The beautiful dreams that never came true because of foolish decisions. 
There's struggle in this world, and we remember that on All Saints Day. And then we remember the heritage we have as children of God. We remember what the Father has given to us so that we can be called children of God. Did you hear that in that lesson? That we have been called children of God? Remember that He named us in baptism? The cross was real, and it was victorious for us. His promise to prepare a place for us. We didn't read that lesson, but we remember it every year. Remember, I go and I prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you will be also. That there's not a place on this journey in our life that He is not with us. He promises, and that we remember this on the Matthew place. You baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You teach them to obey everything I commanded. And remember, I am, the name of God, I am with you from this day forth to the end of all time. There's not a step you take where your Lord is not stepping with you. And we remember that on All Saints Day. He went into the grave and he came out of the grave ahead of us. Where he's gone, we go. And where he's at, we will be. So it is about a celebration. We will remember our loved ones this day. We will remember our grandparents. We will remember our great-grandparents. We will remember our parents. We will remember our children. Anybody who has preceded us in the grave, we will remember. We will remember the saints of old who have gone there and they're celebrating. We remember them, even if it's tender and awkward at times. And we'll remember that it's a struggle, and it's okay to struggle. God's with us in the struggle. But then at the end, there's an embrace coming. And what a beautiful embrace that can be. Thinking about this, all saints, and what kind of a message to bring up. Got, inter- got distracted with some things this last week. All right, so if you've been walking around in the, near the, the hallway or the area space where next to the office, you'll notice that I've had boxes in there. They've been in there for about five months. They're the last seven boxes. They're the boxes that I know are there, but I don't want to deal with them because I know the contents. And they're, this, they're kind of the boxes that you have with you. And every time you move, you know you got them. You peek into them. You just tape them back up. And you just throw them on the truck because you're going to deal with it when you get there. And you don't deal with it when you get there. They just keep moving with you kind of boxes. I got seven of those. Well, I went, I, I'm determined, right? I, <laughs> I'm determined I'm going to deal with these things. So in these boxes that are mine, some of these boxes are pictures. A lot of times when I've gone from one place to another place, I said, if you want, you know, if you want to send a card or something like that, would be great. If you want to send a picture, send a picture. Because when I see that picture, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember everything about you and the histories that we shared and your families. And it's going to stir a bunch of stuff. Pictures do that. So I was going through cards and I was going through pictures and I was going through papers that I thought I always needed because it was really smart once. And it was really intelligent. Man, I got to hold on to this. And so I wanted to keep it thinking I was going to read it again. And like eight years later, I've never seen it. That box. Well, as I'm going through that box, I came across these papers. And I thought, well, it must have been important for me to keep these papers. And I looked at them. And what they were is they were a map. So this map is a 90-mile course that starts near Dripping Springs, uh, just west of Austin, Texas. And um, it weaved and winds through the mountains and hills of that part of the world. And then I said, well, there's another map, and it looked like this map was a 60-mile course, 65-mile course that went, it was a shorter version, but the same part of the country. And then here was another map. And as I was thinking about these maps, I was remembering that in October, one of the last Sundays in October, a few years ago, that I was there. 
And it was a heck of an event. That was a Lance Armstrong's tour, the cure type of a thing. It's a, it's a fundraiser to, to raise money to fight this beast of a thing called cancer. And those, those maps, simple little pictures, start stirring up things. On that late October day, thousands of cyclists, thousands of cyclists gathered. They'd been gathering their money, preparing themselves in some way, brought their bikes because they were going to show their support for the millions of people who are living and dying with cancer and to raise their money. On that weekend, I had a note on one of the map papers, $3.7 million was raised to wage this war against cancer. An awareness that the cancer isn't just for the Americans and our specific families. Actually, cancer is taking the lives of people around the world. In their country of India, the countries of Germany, Russia, Mexico, it doesn't matter. Cancer is eating people, and a lot of people don't have the finances and the medicine signs that we have to fight it. You know, doctor might see a skin cancer on you and say, wow, that's a cancer. If I don't get it, you're going to die. So you go to candy, he takes it off, and you've got no problems. Some countries, they don't have that. It becomes a tumor. It gets into your bones. It gets into your whole body, and you die from that years in advance. People are dying prematurely because they don't have the treatments of cancer. And so there was awareness of this plague that's across our planet. So this bike ride happens to raise money and awareness. For some, it was a race. Absolutely, it was going to be a race because Lance was going to be there, and at that time he was winning everything. He was he was a golden child being used by the world to raise awareness and make lots of money. He just had to win races, and they used that for whatever purposes they want. So Lance was going to be there. Some of his friends and teammates for the whole cycling community of that part of Texas was all, hey, hey, we get to go race with Lance and P12s, pros and Category One Two racers. So that's what they were about. They just raised enough money so they can get in and ride with Lance. Um, for others, it was about maybe getting their, a personal best in this distance because they've been doing this ride now for a number of years, the same courses, and they thought, well, this year, instead of finishing it in three hours, I'm going to finish it in two hours and 45 minutes. I'm going to beat my previous time. So some folks were in, interested for that. Other looked at it as, hey, I'm just going to complete the course. Last year I did 25, this year I'm doing 65. Or last year I did 65, this year I'm doing the whole 90. Whatever it was, they, they would bring that. There were some of those thousands and thousands of people who just said, I'm just going to try to finish 10 miles. My goal today is to ride 10 miles. Um, thousands are doing these things. Uh, for some, it was a, not a ride to race, and not a ride to finish with their best time, and not a ride to complete a distance. It was like a religious committal service. Of those thousands of people who came and were doing it for all those other reasons, there was a huge percentage of them that had the name of their loved ones written on permanent ink across their hands and along the sides of their arms. So when you were riding your bike like this, you could read the name on both arms. Some of them had it on their shirts, front and back. They had special printed shirts, and you could put the inserts, names of the people on there, and you had the shirts on this, or they had jerseys. Some of them wrote it on the sides of their thighs. When you went by, you could see it. And what you saw, or in the back of your calves, because when you're behind them pedaling, you can see the names moving. And what you saw was, or if you didn't see the name, you just said, my dad, my mom, my son, my daughter. And they had this all across their bodies as they were riding. Some 
road in defiance of cancer. I saw people on those 10-mile routes lining up. I said, wow, okay, I'm an arrogant guy at this time, and I'm ra- I could race bicycles pretty good. I said, they're only going to go 10 miles until I saw them. They were bald from chemotherapy, pale from months of being indoors, and they refused to go down without their day in that hill country sunshine on a bike, raising awareness and hope and money to fight that evil thing, cancer. Ten miles, they could have taken their life, but they were going to die doing it. I confess for those first two hours while I was just gathering, they're all staging all this stuff up, I saw a massive crowd, thousands and thousands of people around me without seeing the people right next to me, if that makes any sense at all. And thank God that condition changed. 50 miles into this bike race, or bike ride, and at this point I'm alone. The folks I started the ride with who encouraged me to go, um, they were someplace else. Um, I'm approaching the bottom of a very long and very difficult hill. It's toward the end of the ride, not the 10-mile, but the 25-mile course, they all started in the same spot, and they all ended at the same spot, and they all had to cross this one same section of road, and it was this long, difficult hill, whether they did 25, 65, or 90 miles. It didn't matter. Everybody had this long hill. And um, as I'm coming up and approaching this long, difficult hill, I can look up, and I can see a child pedaling on a little bitty mountainish-looking bike, mountain bike-looking thing, little, little child struggling to turn pedals over. And when you're riding, you can tell when they're strong because they've got good cadence and they're, they're fluid in their movements. When they get tired, it's more like a machine. Thump, thump. And they try to stand up. And this, I'm watching a child who tries to stand up but doesn't have the strength to turn it over. Three quarters up this. It's a, it's a long hill. And it's a steep hill. And it can't stand up. Now it can't sit down and keep it going because it's too tired. This child's too tired. So then I watch the child stop. It couldn't turn the pedal over one more time. And then I watched the child stand with feet on both sides of the bike, and then I watched the child just discard the bike. The t- bike just flops on the side of the road. Then I watched this child. Again, I'm pedaling up the hill. I'm watching this child get closer and closer. child just unstraps the helmet, takes off the helmet, and just drops it. And a moment after the child, the child just kind of f- collapses, flops down on the ground, sits. Kind of like a child, when you see a child pouting and defeated or mad or hurting. They, just kind of, they don't sit comfortably. They just kind of flop down. This exhausted, beaten child just flopped down on the dirt in the grass right there on the side of the road. Began to cover its face as with shame and began to cry. I mean, like, really cry. Moments after, the child removed this pink handkerchief that was covering his or her head clenched it in their fist and just held it to the face as she was crying or he was crying. And that child's head was white, bald, where there had once been hair. Now it's just that skin of pale skin and bald, crying. As I'm continuing to ride up towards the summit, as I do so, I see a man at the top who's wearing a matching jersey. And apparently he was at the top waiting for his child to come up the hill. When he notices that his child has stopped on the side of the road, he drops his bicycle and he begins to run down the hill. And these aren't sophisticated, suave cyclists who have the cycling shoes and all that stuff. They're just wearing tennis shoes. And this man's running down the hill towards his child in his tennis shoes. And when he gets there, he takes off his helmet 
And behold, he's got a matching bandana. He takes off his matching bandana. He's got a matching bald white head. And he goes down to Tyler's child, and he sweeps the child up into this embrace. And there they cry together with their bandanas and their clenched fists. Now, I'm not wanting to interfere with this profound and tender moment. So I continue riding by it, only I just go a little bit more to the left side of the road. So they have their space. And as I do so, I notice this man's jersey. So it's a pink jersey. And on the front and on the back, it had... I imagine the front, I only saw the back. It had a cross in really faint white print. Kind of like an old wooden cross, ragged on the edges and holes and stuff. And faint cross across the whole length and top of the shirt. And in the middle of the shirt, along the horizontal beam of the cross, is um, print with the words that said, In memory of my loving wife. Fair enough. The date, 92008. This is October, the month before his wife died. That little child's mom died the month before. This child sitting on the rocky, grassy side of the road, physically exhausted, emotionally just coming apart with grief. And he's being embraced by the father, who in many ways was, having the, was in the exact same condition. From that ride on, the moment was not about speed. It was not about distance. It was about people. Thousands of people who were riding through the valleys and the hills and mountains of this hill country part of our country, prayerfully working out their new set of priorities in the absence of their loved ones or considering the disease that was hitting their bodies sweating and exhausting out their grief as that physical exertion can do, defying their cancer-induced fears, mustering strength and courage for their futures, contributing mourning towards the cure of an ugly beast that robbed them of their loved ones. The ride was about a celebration of a life, to be sure. That ride was about human struggle, to be sure. And it was an intentional, it was an invitation to be embraced by a heavenly father. And I saw it in the arms of an earthly father. What we are doing today, as we participate in the church's All Saints Day, I think is similar to that cancer, Cancer Foundation fun ride. We celebrate our life. We will remember the saints that we have known and loved. We will remember their faces. Not just some vague name on the wall. We will remember what their faces looked like. We will remember the color of their eyes and the beauty of their smiles. How they communicated with us with just a look. We will remember. We will remember their embrace. We will remember their work. We will remember their love for us and their stories. We will put stems and these roses into the water of the vase and we will remember that their faith, hope, and love and how they made big splashes in our life and the lives of people around them. And we will remember how they're not alone. They're not alone now as they're with the saints in light, nor are we alone as we commune with them every Sunday. And we will confess the struggle Each one of us will endure these life difficulties. Each one of us, if they have not been, will be wounded by hard goodbyes. It's the way it is. 
some seasons, our challenges and our difficulties are going to be light. We're going to have long stretches of smooth, easy road. And there's going to be some other situations and times in our life where it is a crushing, almost breaking us apart pressure. Young or old, light or heavy, these struggles are real. But they're not the end of the story. Jesus assures us. He assures us that heaven will come. He has been and He always will be a promise keeper, this God of ours. He was a promise keeper for the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. He's a promise keeper in the New Testament people as well. In Revelation chapter 7, it says this, An angel said to John, Who are these who are robed in white? Where did they come from? John replied to him, Sir, you know. The angel said, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. The tribulation of our lives. They have washed their robes. They have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God. They will serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them in His very presence. Get an image of that little child being swept up by the Father on the side of the road? I do. They will no longer hunger. And they will no longer thirst The sun will not strike them, and the scorching heat will not touch them. The Lamb of God is in their midst, in the midst of the throne, and the Lamb will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water. He will wipe away the tears from their eyes. That is a promise and a reality declared to us and remembered by us on All Saints Day. That the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are promise keepers that they have prepared a place for us and all children, and they are going to bring us and take us to that place themselves. If we don't know the way when we die, it doesn't matter because God gets us. We are in His hands at all times. That where He is, we will be forever. Celebration, struggle, and a Father's embrace. On this day as a church, let's be mindful of all the things that that cut us off. Anything that distracts us, anything that pulls us away, any excuse we make, anything that we come to our own little intelligent conclusions that says this is more important than this, put these things in the the trash and discard them and make sure that nothing hinders your fully being immersed in this body of Christ, this church. And then, as a part of this body, make sure we let this good news go to the world around us. Because there are people in this world who are being cut off by a variety of reasons and motives. And it's our job to try to set them free. When the rubber band was on this finger, it took this finger to take it off. We are to be that part of the body. And all saints, what a joy we get to share. God help us be this church. Amen.